0: Coming up on studios America Jorge Ventura returns to the program with an expose on Loudoun County that you won't believe it appears that my Cuomo free New Year's resolution was ignored on yesterday's show. So we'll work to set that straight and with an empty suit leading our country. It's up to us to figure out the Omicron variant and its effects for ourselves fun. So let's break my promise not to talk about COVID yet again as we do the rise of Omicron.
1: Do does America.
0: Ah, when we last were together before Christmas, Omicron was still pretty much just a rumor. It was just this thing kind of floating around maybe in South Africa, maybe a little bit in the UK, bubbling up a little bit. People were interested, didn't really know much. We had a lot of guesses as to what might happen with Omicron, but we didn't have uh, much data. Now, after the new year, literally everyone on Earth has it, Every, including you. Yes, you. You have it. I don't have a test in your nose right now, but I can tell you right now, you got the bug. Congratulations. You're Omicron positive. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. I, I can't tell you how many relatives of mine have uh, had Omicron. Uh, friends of mine have it everyone seems to have it right now. And it doesn't seem to matter really what your status is, whether you're unvaccinated, whether you're vaccinated, whether you uh, had natural immunity from a previous infection. Omicron doesn't seem to care about any of that. It's just kind of blowing through it. We'll go through some of the data here uh, on today's program because we now actually do have some real, I think, you know, as close as we're going to get to concrete information on this in a very short period of time. We'll get to that in a minute. But when you have a brand new Variant, something that people don't really understand fully yet. You're not going to be able to get everything right. That's why you need steady leadership at the top of, uh, of, the, of the leadership structure. Someone you can really trust. Someone who is competent and someone who is just, you know, on the ball. You want someone who is really mentally sharp, uh, grabbing control of the situation. Uh, here's our president. And what will Americans
2: get those free? COVID-19, Thank yes, you Thank right you yes. Yes. Are you going to break up
0: the big yes. four meat in All
2: right,
0: guys. You Thanks, yes. guys. I get the transcripts of what these quotes say. This it literally says, "Reporter, when will Americans get those free COVID tests, sir?" Biden stares blankly ahead. Pretty much summarizes what you just saw. Uh, so. Where are we right now? What is the messaging? What are we supposed to be doing? I mean, I know you know that I'm not a big Joe Biden fan. I don't think he's done a very good job. And it is sort of like conservative talk radio, conservative podcast lore that you have to talk about Joe Biden being senile at least once a show. And we have a shirt. That says senility now on it. You can go to studosmerch.com and get your own, and it seems more and more relevant every single day. But I don't know how you watch this stuff and just don't. Even if you think Joe Biden's policies are fantastic, you have to agree with us on this point. He looks like a man that you would go visit, and he would hand you a hard candy at the door of a nursing home. This is in a wheelchair. That's what he seems like. He does not seem like he has any capability to run a country. It's hard for me to see the other side of that one. Here he is talking about in an incredibly coherent way, messaging what, how we should feel about the rise of Omicron. You
1: know, be concerned about Omicron, but don't be alarmed. Okay. But if you're unvaccinated, you have some reason to be alarmed. Okay. Many of you will- You uh, should be alarmed. You know, uh, uh, you'll experience severe illness, many cases. Got if it, you okay. get COVID-19, if you're not vaccinated. Okay. Some will die, Whoa. needlessly die. Oh my! Unvaccinated are taking up hospital beds and crowding emergency rooms and intensive care units. Mm. That's just placing other people who need access to those hospitals. Mm. So please, 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 get vaccinated now. So don't be alarmed,
0: but some will needlessly die. I, are, should you be alarmed by that? I don't know. I don't know your situation. Um, then there is, of course... The again, we keep breaking our resolutions. This is what happens. First, it starts with like you know, uh, you know, a a visit to the burrito shop, and you break the weight loss thing, and then you make a resolution like Anthony Fauci should not be on television anymore. And then here we are on day two, uh, showing a clip where at least he's referenced. I don't know if that breaks the resolution or not, but here's Joe Biden trying to, trying to break my resolutions for me.
1: Booster shots. Mm. I know, Dr. Fauci, I'm like an echo chamber here, okay? I know it. But, repeating myself what Dr. Fauci said it
0: very clearly, booster shots work. By the way, the best part about that clip, Fauci was not over there. He, No, I don't know, he might have been. Um, this is such a silly argument, and we've talked about this many times over the years, but really, like, this obsession with vaccination rates is neither here nor there. It doesn't really make much of a difference when it comes to national policy. Now, it, it's up to you to whether, you, you know, in my view, at least, whether you should be vaccinated or not. You know, I'm against these mandates, um, but you can make a personal decision as to whether you think that's beneficial or not. That is the way America's supposed to operate. Right. You make decisions for yourself. But there's been this weird obsession with like the separation between some northeastern state and Florida. You know, maybe Florida, I think something like 77 percent of people have had one shot. And in uh, Vermont, it's like 90 percent of people or whatever. And and yeah, there's a little gap there. But that gap is just not all that important from a societal perspective. Um, It might be important to those 13 percent of people who get vaccinated or not. And they have to make those decisions for their own uh, situations. However, like, when you really step back and look at what's happened here over the past few weeks, it's pretty clear that that debate is dumb. It's just a dumb, dumb debate when you talk about the future of the virus. The idea of it was, well, we have to stamp this virus out because there could be new variants. And I kept saying, you guys know the rest of the world exists, right? Like, you do realize that right to our south, Mexico has got like a, like, we imported hundreds and hundreds of people from Haiti. They have literally a 1% vaccination rate. We're just importing people over the border. There's places all over the country where people aren't getting vaccinated. You're not going to be able to stamp it out here and then just like somehow avoid a new variant. It's just not going to happen. And of course, that's what occurred here. This, this variant was, was uh, detected in Botswana. We have no control over the vaccination level of Botswana. They're going to do what they do. I think it's something like 20% in Botswana. Um, It was a variant that popped up in Botswana, not exactly the vaccination capital of the world. There's just no way to sit here and act as if these few percent here of people who really just, for whatever reason, don't want to get the vaccine. That's not going to make a difference. There's no way to stop that sort of stuff. And here you see a situation where the Omicron um, uh, variant has come out and is making a, a big wave. We have the rise of Omicron. We are in it. We've done this with all the variants, the rise of Delta, the fall of Delta. These things come and these things go. And we'll kind of keep an eye on it for you as we go. We have over 1 million new daily COVID cases uh, in the Omicron surge. That's a new record. That's uh, theoretically. This is not actually true, but it's theoretically a, a record for the globe. That's only because, of course, we test a lot more than like places like India, uh, where they've had you know, massive waves that almost were not even measured. Uh, but over 1,082,000 08, cases uh, were picked up in one day. Some of this has to do with delays in reporting and all of that, which is a whole other story that please don't get me started on. But let me give you a quick uh, overview. I showed these to you yesterday. I'm gonna pop it to you one more time, just to keep this short so we don't have to go too, too much in depth as to the situation. I think you're pretty much aware of it right now. But what we're seeing is a rise in cases, but the rise in hospitalizations and deaths is not necessarily going along according to the plan. And we've been through a bunch of waves all over the country, all different areas, and we've seen similar patterns up until the beginning of this year. Um, The patterns changed a little bit at the beginning of the year, uh, but this one is totally different. This is all cases and very few hospitalizations uh, in relation to those cases. And deaths actually are still down over the past couple of weeks, though I do expect them to tick up a little bit. This is in New York. You see the red line going through the roof. The other lines barely ticking up. Florida, same type of story. Um, And you see in the previous wave, they all moved to about the same level, all three lines. Uh, not this time. Uh, at least so far, uh, cases going way, way, way up and hospitalizations and deaths, thankfully, staying down. Now, we talked a little bit about the, uh, the data and the data that we do have. Um, you know, uh, there was a delay and because of New Year's Day. Uh, There's a delay because it's a weekend. There's a delay because there's a holiday. There's a delay. uh, Reporting comes in uh, off uh, on Tuesdays because Monday is reporting the Sunday results and people are not really working on Sunday. Uh, This is ridiculous. We're in year two here. There's a lot of questions that we have, right? We don't know every detail about this. Anthony Fauci came out and said, hey, sometimes these positive hospitalizations are just kids breaking their leg and coming in and, and, and testing positive. Now, We've talked about that since the beginning. It's always been known, at least on conservative media, that some cases are like this, right? Where you test positive, even though you're not in there for the virus. Of course, that's been going on. The mainstream media has largely ignored it. Now Fauci is saying it. So I guess you don't get thrown off of social media anymore. I'm pretty sure that's that's how that works. You don't get because he says it. Now you can say it. That's the way science works now. Um, But. It's inexcusable that we don't have this information at this point. It's one thing to understand that you're not going to get every single case. People are now testing at home, for example. Uh, they're not even reporting those results. But when someone comes into a hospital, you just get to ask them. They're there in the hospital. You test them. If they're positive, you say, hey, why are you here? Are you here because you can't breathe? Or you're here because you, uh, you tore your Achilles in a football game? Which one is it? We should have that broken down. The data is terrible. And this administration has done very little to make it better. Uh, Back in 2020, everything's coming together. The, The pandemic's hitting. We're trying to figure out what information is important. Do we follow cases? Do we follow hospitalizations? Do we follow deaths? And everyone's trying to put this information together. Uh, a few people from the Atlantic went together and uh, worked on a data project. It was called the COVID, tracking, uh, the COVID Tracking Project. We talked about them at the time. And they went through and, and kind of the insinuation was, okay, well, look, look, Trump's not on top of this. He's asleep at the wheel. We need to do this privately. And it was beneficial to have this data in one place. However, we got into the, the Biden administration and Biden says, you know what, we're going to get all the, the data is going to be good now. We're going to make we're going to be on top of that. We're Joe Biden. We're confident. We're returned to normalcy, an efficient government. So the covid-19 tracking project shut down on March 7th. As of March 7th, 2021, they are no longer collecting new data. And you can see the links. The first one is the, why are they doing this? Because the federal covid-19 testing data is getting better. So is it? How do we not know? Why do we always have to? I mean, I've gone through this before and I've done shows on it. You know how difficult it is to track down the actual data for various breakdowns of all the important issues surrounding COVID. People who were treated a certain way, people who uh, were vaccinated at a certain level, uh, people who lived, people who died. Did they die because of X, Y and Z or did they die uh, uh, of A, B and C? All that information is disparate. It's reported differently in every state. There's no centralized place where it actually is coherently presented. What the hell? This this was acceptable in May 2020. It's an abomination in January 2022. Uh, So we spent, what, $9 trillion on various COVID bills. We couldn't come up with a few billion to make sure the data is actually uh, usable, understandable beneficial to the people so they can judge risk for themselves. None of that was part of this. It really is amazing. So what data do we know? We know when there's a new variant, the data isn't always completely reliable at the beginning. We had reports at the beginning that it was much more transmissible and it was less virulent. Um, so each person who got it had a less, lesser chance of going to the hospital but you had a better chance of getting it because it was so transmissible. How is that held up? We do have a couple of studies now, and let me give you some of the data. This is from the UK study that has just come out over the past week. An individual with Omicron is estimated to be between 31 and 45 percent less likely to attend A&E. That's like the emergency room compared to Delta and 50 to 70 percent less likely to be admitted to the hospital. That's good news. Uh, When the reduced risk of hospitalization was combined with vaccine effectiveness against symptoms, disease. The vaccine effectiveness against hospitalization was estimated as 52% after one dose, 72% uh, two to 24 weeks after two doses. So they're breaking out the two doses, how long ago you had it. Uh, 72% If you had it in the last um, uh, half year, if it's over a half year, it drops down to 52 percent. And if you had a booster, it's 88 percent after a booster dose. So, again, the worst effects seem to be holding off. Again, you can choose to do these things or you can choose not to. But it's up to us to be able to look at risk and and make and, and assess what risk we want to take. But that's all good news, right? It's less virulent. Um, it is, uh, the vaccines seem to be holding up, especially if you happen to have a, a dose recently, but even, even if it's 50%, it's better than nothing. Um, now South Africa has a study as well. They say the, uh, these, these results are consistent with Omicron displacing the Delta variant. That is very good since it can elicit immunity, which neutralizes Delta, making reinfection with Delta less likely. The team of scientists, uh, at the Africa health research Institute wrote in their findings, if Omicron displaces Delta and proves more mild than past variants, the incidence of COVID-19 severe disease would be reduced and the infection may shift to become less disruptive to individuals and society, according to the scientists findings. So long way of saying, basically, because Omicron is being spread so easily, it is outpacing and destroying Delta in places like the United States. It's already the dominant variant. It's going to be almost all cases in just a couple of weeks. The hope is that it knocks Delta out, Delta can't come back because there is immunity um, from the people who picked up Omicron and they will fight off Delta. Delta won't return. And then you have a lot of people who have immunity and a lot of people who have a lesser variant. This would be good. It will probably lead to a couple of weeks of really rough times because a lot of people are getting sick and you're seeing this probably in your family circle. Um, They're not going to the hospital necessarily with this variant, but they are having a rough couple of days. Um, That is probably going to lead to just a numbers game, more hospitalizations. Deaths will probably go up at some level as well, but we might be looking at a short term process here. They think this is going to peak by the end of the month probably mid-January is what they think. If it follows what happened in South Africa, uh, that's about what will happen. So we may be in for a few tough weeks, but then we may have a real advantage over all of these variants after that, and that's a real a real positive. Let me give you one more thing. This is... Um uh, On the vaccines as well from the South African uh, study. The study found that the vaccine from uh, pharmaceutical giant Pfizer and German partner BioNTech provided just 33 percent protection against infection. So that's, uh, you know, uh, much, much lower than all the other variants. Uh, 33% is by far the worst number. Now, of course, 33% is better than zero, but so but it's not protecting against infection all that well. At the same time, the vaccine may offer 70% protection against being hospitalized. When you factor in, of course, the difference in transmission, is that's how you're getting to the 88% in the other uh, study. Uh, so bottom line is... Uh, Most of the stuff that we've talked about as far as treatments, vaccines and such are holding up pretty well against uh, Omicron. There is one exception here, and this is a real tough thing for hospitals right now. The Omicron variant, there are three different types of monoclonal antibodies that are out there. Two two that have been much more commonly used and one that has been sort of um, the third, kind of like, you know, you have like Pfizer and Moderna and then there's sort of Johnson and Johnson. A few people got that one. that's kind of what's happened with the monoclonal antibodies. There's two big ones, and then there's kind of a third one that was kind of hanging back there. It was available, but not in huge numbers. With Omicron, only the one, the Johnson & Johnson of, the, of that group, the third monoclonal antibody, seems to be the only one that's effective against Omicron, which is strange. I mean, uh, they don't, I don't think they have that completely worked out as to why right now, but they don't have a lot of supply of that. So that is one issue that they're dealing with that could actually be a problem, and they don't have an easy test to detect whether it's Omicron or Delta. So there's still a bunch of people getting Delta out there and those people can be treated with the main two types of monoclonal antibodies. The third type is the only one that really works for Omicron and that one's in in short supply. So that could be, this is what could lead to a few rough weeks here. But importantly, again, the same things apply that applied earlier. If you're healthy, if you're younger, if you're in better shape than I am, you're probably not going to have much of a problem here you just hope that people who are elderly and maybe are are, are very uh, vulnerable don't get uh, don't get uh, don't get anything and keep those. If you're Betty White, you needed to just stay in a bubble. I don't think Betty White died of COVID, by the way. She just was 99 years old. But the bottom line, if you're in that group where you are vulnerable, it's important to do what you can probably over the next few weeks. If you can take can take basic steps, if you can you know, delay a trip a couple of weeks, it might be a good idea uh, right now. Now, that's my advice. What do I know? I'm just a you know, I'm just a guy on uh, doing a podcast on Blaze TV, on YouTube. What do I know? We should go to the source, someone who knows exactly what to do. What is the one piece of advice you would need right now if you were going to deal with this Omicron uh, variant as we have the rise of Omicron? Well, Joe Biden is here to tell you.
1: In the last two weeks, we've stood up federal testing sites all over the country. We're adding more each and every day. Google. Quote COVID test near me, go there. Google, excuse me, COVID test near me on Google, to find the nearest site where you can get a test, most often, and free.
0: Mm, that's deep, and I want to I want to emphasize what he said there because it's important for you to know this. In the last two U weeks, we've stood up, we've stood up, federal testing sites. Google, quote, COVID tests near me, go there, Google, excuse me, COVID tests near me on Google to find the nearest site where you can get a test most often. If that's not the message you needed to hear today, I don't know what is. Right now, inflation rates are higher than the interest on Treasury bonds. What does that mean? Each day that passes, the government owes less on its mountain of debt. Now, imagine if you had a mortgage that had a negative interest rate. Would you be in a hurry to pay it off? I certainly wouldn't. Protect your savings now. you got to hedge against inflation with gold from Birch Gold because the government is sabotaging the value of the U.S. dollar. They will uh, help you convert an eligible IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by real gold. That's real peace of mind. You can trust Birch Gold to help you protect your savings. What do you got to do? Well, text Stu to the number 989898. You can do that now and get a no-cost, no-obligation info kit. It's a comprehensive 20-page guide that reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings. You've got to understand how to do this the right way. It will also help you buy them under the umbrella of a tax-sheltered account, which, if you know what taxes are like these days, you want to make sure you do that. So do it right now. Text the word STU to 989898. That's my name, Stu. 989898. It's Stu to 989898. Glad to welcome into studio again Jorge Ventura here, right here in studio. He's a field reporter for The Daily Caller and just premiered his newest documentary, Indoctrination Nation. Here's a quick look.
2: 2020 has been a year unlike any within living memory and one that exposed some of our deepest divides there is a culture war happening in our country and today's politics represent the front lines i'm from california and i see this battle firsthand every single day i see working class americans like nurses firemen and teachers resigning over vaccine mandates i see california parents taking their kids out of public schools over critical race theory and mask mandate. But does it have to be like this? Do Americans need to move to a different state to protect their way of life anytime the state encroaches? There is a state that look right into the eyes of these tyrannical policies, a state where American democracy is rooted, the Commonwealth of Virginia.
1: They have- business interests data mining our children and what they are trying to do is silence our protest. But will we be silenced? No!
0: People are rising up. Jorge, welcome to the program. It's good to be back, Stu. Uh, Thanks for coming on. I know one of the things I think is cool about doing documentaries like you're doing is you get to, like, get in the middle of it and really talk to people who see this stuff going on firsthand. Tell me about some of the people you
2: met. So the the best part about, about this too is if you know if you just only pay attention to you know MSNBC and kind of the local media in Virginia that demonized these parents mm. for rejecting CRT, you would think all oh, these parents are white supremacist parents. The, and then when we got on the ground, um, it was just fascinating to see actually the parents that really rose up against critical race theory were actually immigrant parents, mm. parents from India, uh, from China, from El Salvador that were very angry at what's going on. And I think um, a lot of Americans kind of forget that a lot of these immigrant parents and these families are more conservative than your average conservative here uh, in America. So when you push you know, this transgenderism education, sexualized education on their kids, I mean that wakes up this kind yeah. of voter base and it was actually really interesting students just, just to see from a local level, parents rise up, take control, and eventually actually lead into Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin's victory in Virginia, which was very decisive. So education was the number two most important issue for voters in Virginia and, and it, le- it led to a Republican Governor victory at a, in a state that Joe Biden won by 10 points, went Republican. So I think that's an eye-opener and hopefully a roadmap for Republicans for the 2022 midterms.
0: Yeah, it was a shocking, I think, development to a lot of people around the country. And probably a lot of the people involved in this debate may have voted for Joe Biden mm-hmm. just a year before. But you know, I think there is that, that thing that happens with, with, with immigrants coming to this country, that they do tend to, to be maybe even more focused on our founding and the principles
2: mm-hmm. of this country. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that is true, just because they've seen seen it for themselves. So mm-hmm. we spoke to parents in India and actually from the from China who talked about the communist movement. And when they saw, see CRT, they see what they saw back home. Uh, this kind of critical race theory. A uh, big thing that the immigrant parents kept mentioning to me was. This just stokes division in our country. Um, so, for, you know, for them, they don't even see color. They just see their their neighbor as, as another American. So, they they could see the division. They see it before maybe us Americans see it ourselves. And they rose up and they fought back. And the school boards try to silence these parents. There was they even tried to uh, cover up a sexual assault. We saw the Daily Wire break that story. That 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 became a big effect. Um, so it just kind of really explains to all of that. And it, I think it really shows Americans all over the country that said, hey. We could take we could take the power back, and I think a lot of Americans forget, you know, because things are so politicized and nationalized now that these issues really start at the local level. So you, you know your local city council, your local school boards, your mayors, um, that's where you see the most change. So these parents rose up, they they fought back, they went against actually the mainstream media. If you would have turned on MSNBC after the election, they were calling these parents white supremacists. I mean, these people are from, like I said, India, China, yeah. and, and, uh, and El Salvador. So it was a parent led rebellion is what we're calling it. And it could, it's a potential, like I said, roadmap for Republicans all over the country who are running in these, you know, kind of local districts or or congressional races to say, hey, what did they do right? And I think another thing is that Glenn Youngkin did a good job of keeping the debate and issues um, local level. You know, just talking to Virginians about what they care about. We saw Terry McAuliffe, his Democratic candidate, take the opposite approach and make it more national. He kept mentioning Trump and try to tie that with Youngkin. Youngkin, during his whole race, never mentioned Trump and never mentions Biden. He just kept it local level, and I think that was a kind of key to his victory as well. Well, If there's
0: ever been an illustration as to Mm -hmm. how important local issues are, it's been the last two years. Right. I mean, like I, I uh, the New York Times had a uh, one of their reporters, who's done a pretty good job on a, all the covid stuff and tweeted a, a long thread today about uh, all the damage that we've seen to kids who've mm-hmm. been kept out of school and all these things. And his point was like, look, maybe you can justify some of the stuff in March 2020, but it went on far too long. And it's been a real punishment uh, for kids all around the country. And I think to myself, living here in Texas and I, you know, I know you're in California, my kids went back to school right at the beginning of the year, August 2020, the beginning of the school year, and have been in school ever since. They didn't have to do any more home, uh, you know, any of the distance learning. They didn't have any of that stuff. And I feel like we've set up this, this two-tiered country. We're seeing it with COVID, I think, maybe most when we talk about the, the, the local issues. But I think CRT is another good example of it. If you don't have your local situation sorted out, it can be really damaging to your family.
2: Absolutely. And right now, still, we're seeing kind of a mental health crisis in our young children in our our country. Um, We almost essentially the teachers unions almost destroyed a whole generation of of kids. Mm. And, you know, the left and the establishment Democratic Party and the media, you know, they always want to kind of. Um, you know, give the signal of them saying, "Hey, we're the party of black and brown people." You know, you hear that a million times. We're the party of black and brown. Yeah. Well, who do you think these school closures affect? Is black and brown kids? Uh, we're, we saw the uh, the city of Detroit just announced that they're going to virtual learning. I mean, that's affecting black and brown kids who you know who are, and also affecting working class parents who maybe don't have the money to get a you know go to a private institution or ha- always hire a babysitter while they they're working. So um, I think that's something that we need to remember. And I think an interesting thing too, uh, students in 2020, I was covering the school lockdowns to parents and teenagers, and one dad actually mentioned this to me. He said, hey, Jorge, what these Democrats are doing to our kids is they are actually raising the next generation of Republican voters. And I absolutely think he's right because these kids are never going to forget mm. um, what the adults did to them, uh, lying to them, pushing back, the you know, dates. I would be in California and the kids were like, hey, I thought I was going to get a prom and, you know, it never happened. I, you know, kids who are athletes, hey, I thought I was going to have a football season, soccer season. Um, it never happened. And a common thing that I heard when I when I interview parents is they say, hey, I have this kid who was all A's and star athlete six months into lockdown full depression, wanting to kill themselves, cutting their wrists. I mean, these are the type of stories that never really make it on national media. Um, but it, it's it's really something. And the fact that we're still closing schools when, you know, all the information we get on this new variant, that it's a mild cold. Uh, I, I think that I was reading some of the numbers that over a little bit over 2,000 schools right now are going to remain closed, which is just such a big... Um, devastating news to, the, to these kids, especially the parents. These are working class parents that this is impacting. So um, just open up. Let these kids go back to school. They, should, they shouldn't be staring at a Zoom screen for eight hours a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do have a, a, some hesitation with this one in that, you know,
0: what the documentary is about is, is more not about COVID. It's about CRT and the fight back mm-hmm. pushback against CRT in Virginia. And as conservatives, and I've made this argument a thousand times on the show, got to open up the schools, got to open the schools. Well, when we open up the schools and this is what's happening inside of them, should we really be pushing so hard for opening up the schools or, or should we be pushing for different types of education? We're talking about private school. We're talking about uh, homeschooling, uh, pod learning, all the different kind of variations. Is Do we focus too much on getting public schools open to send them back to hear
2: CRT lessons from their crazy teachers? Well, one thing I kind of learned in Virginia, um, in Virginia is that you know both issues, that's a good great great question but both issues matter, so it's like right, a, you know, yeah. push obviously for the open schools, but also get involved in your children's education. Yeah. One thing um, we spoke to Corey DeAngelis, who's who's a who's just an expert on this issue of yeah. education, yeah. and he's an advocate for if you're if you're a kid going to public school and you go to a private or another public school in your school district, that the tax dollars to follow the student. So right now, you know, we're looking at ways um, to do that. I guess more efficient. But one thing that Corey mentioned to me was he said, Corey, one of the kind of the blessings of these school closures is the parents got to stay home. And actually see what their what their kids are being taught yeah. for the very first time. Yeah. And one thing that shocked me from a reporter perspective was to see the amount of um, LGBT and also transgender kind of sexualized education that was getting pushed on these 13 year olds, 14 year olds. And parents woke up and finally raised up and look, put some pressure on your school boards, win some local elections, get involved um, in what's going on in. The big thing that really killed uh, Terry um campaign against uh, against Youngkin was he came out and said his famous line. He says, I don't think parents should be involved in the education of their kids. And then right there, that kind of just I mean, the the Yunkin campaign did a great job of clipping that up and using that in their ads. But that really woke up that parent base. So I think what, what they did is they showed parents across the country, said, hey, if we stand up, we raise our voices and we're angry and, they, and we show them. We will win at, at a local level, and that's what the parents of, of Virginia did. It's it's a great story, and and you know we kind of do a deep dive. And I think another thing here, Stuart, we can't forget is. The indoctrination nation, it starts at the teachers. So what they would do right. is they put programs in the, for the teachers to teach them how to, you know, put the CRT and this teaching of, of, of a quality of outcome. Um, so it starts with the brainwashing the teachers and then from the teachers, it moves to the students. So we were very grateful that um, students um, students, and teachers and school board members stepped up and actually gave us all these information, leaked those documents for this documentary. So maybe other Americans could see Maybe, hey, I should get more involved in my kids' education going forward. Uh, Let's talk quickly about the politics of all of this Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, you know, I would call Virginia
0: basically it's a purple state, but really yeah. almost a blue state. I mean, it's really especially for national elections has been pretty easy for Democrats to win for a while. Uh, that's why was, a lot of people were surprised by this outcome. Um, and Yunkin, I think, is pretty good. I like Yunkin. He mm-hmm. seems like he's pretty good. We haven't seen how he'll perform as governor yet, but he seems pretty good. But, you know, coming out of, you know, the Tea Party era where. A lot of political victories were won. I mean, the biggest wave election in 100 years was 2010. But it didn't necessarily uh, turn into lots of results policy-wise. It seemed like we, you know, uh, voters got a lot of Republicans elected, but it didn't really get to the principles that they wanted at the end. And some of that stuff faded away as politics took its place. How do, how do, do you get any sense from these people? Is it just a, are they just pushing to win elections? Are they pushing for certain principles? What are they looking for?
2: Well, I think they're kind of looking to kind of reset the system. Hmm. Um, I think they woken up to the public school education and kind of this... Like I said, this push of this kind of leftist CRT um, judging by 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 skin color. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, from looking from being in there on the ground that these parents are going to demand those changes. And if they don't see those changes, I think people are going to get voted out. So even though, you know, they're satisfied that Youngkin won, I still think that Youngkin's going to put going to be put under pressure by these parents to see the changes in school. Uh, a big thing too: a lot of teachers came forward and said, hey, I was lo- I love my job, but. Once the vaccine mandates came down in Virginia, I could no longer work. So we're seeing those teachers actually go back into the school system. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Obviously, mm-hmm. we, we don't know what the future looks like, but I do expect that these parents are going to put pressure on Yunkin and they want to see results. I think um, when you speak to Americans down there and kind of all over the country, is they're done. Whether you have an R or a D next to your name, they want to see results. And like I said, you see it at the local level. So first it was with the with the lockdowns in Virginia, then it was the mass mandates on the kids, yeah. and then when they when they you know saw them stay home, and then they start to see the the education, they say, wait a minute. And it there's 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 a lot going on here so we you know so they they woke up they woke up what I would say that soccer mom voter base which you don't want to wake up because they are very angry and they have all the time in the world to organize mobilize and get the message out but I do think that Youngkin uh, is gonna be be put under uh, extreme amount of pressure to perform and get results especially to the parents that voted him in Mm. Um, like I said education was a number two issue only only below the economy for Virginia voters and I think a lot of parents across the country especially in Democratic controlled states uh, feel this the same way uh, the
0: documentary is indoctrination nation it's you know it's getting really good reviews although i do want to highlight one negative review i hope you don't i hope you don't mind we this don't mind we, don't from, mind. we uh, take all types of criticism comes from uh keith olberman <laughs> uh, who tweeted you he said in response to your trailer the daily caller and you are fascist s well, uh, the, sorry. Uh, sorry, you have to deal with it. Yeah,
2: but the best part of it, too, is we make it. We make a documentary going against government overreach, and, and we still are called a fascist. I just <laughs> want to say, Keith, yeah. I'm a Latino minority, so you are a racist for for criticizing <laughs> me. Actually, Keith, you want to date me? Yes, Keith wants to, yes. He wants to date me. <laughs> um, so that's how we'll take it. But um, hey. Shout out to Keith for watching the trailer. And with his reply, he actually boosted up our views. So thanks, Keith. <laughs> I know. It's, you basically should
0: have paid Keith yeah. Olbermann to tweet that. Uh, but I like your AOC defense. That's, yeah. a, that's a good way of playing it. Jorge Ventura, field reporter for The Daily Caller. Make sure to do, check out the new documentary, just like Keith Olbermann is. Indoctrination Nation. It's up. Uh, check it out. It came out on Monday. And I know it's doing really well. Make sure you uh, check it out. Uh, where can people find it?
2: And they could find it. on. Uh, we, we created our own website for it to kind of avoid the big tech censorship. Sure. So mm-hmm. it's unwokedocusa.com. Mm-hmm. All in one, it's unwoke.docusa.com, and check it out. We have the trailers there, so if you want to send it to a family friend, you can send it, and we have the full documentary available there. Very cool. Jorge, Jorge, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks, too.
0: So it's a new year, and uh, if you're anything like me, all I did for the, the month of December was eat. Uh, That's pretty much what you do. Uh, So you maybe wanna be turning that whole process around right now. It's January, you gotta turn it around. Built Bar is here to save the day for you. They've got a ton of flavors. You know, we're talking coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream, and so many more. If you don't know what you like from Bilt Bar, start off with the mix Box. They've got uh, two each of nine of their regular flavors, and they're always come out, coming out with new stuff. This is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, uh, less than 180 calories, 18 grams of protein, four to five net carbs. You wouldn't know it's healthy by eating it, and that's why it's good. Go to Bilt.com. The promo code is Stew15. You'll save 15% off your first order. The promo code Stew15 for 15% off right now at Bilt.com. And now for America's least surprising news. Andrew Cuomo is not going to have charges against him. This is a stunner. It is dropped. The criminal charge against Andrew Cuomo. Um, now, this is the groping one. And that has been dropped by the Albany County, uh, Albany County uh, District Attorney's Office. Uh, not a huge surprise, honestly, to me. Um, very frustrating. It also looks like he will face no repercussions for the nursing home uh, situation as well. So great news. I mean, he, when I say no repercussions, he is out of office. <laughs> I mean, So he did have some repercussions. But as far as criminal charges go, it does not seem like anything is going to come of that. There's really only one way to react, and I cannot do better than my friend Janice Dean uh, showing her reaction here, uh, taking a quick sip out of the mug that says Andrew Cuomo is awful. She says he's still awful, and so are the ones helping him get away with his awfulness. It is true. By the way, still available. Andrew Cuomo is awful. Mugs, T-shirts, all the stuff. Uh, you can get it still at andrewcuomoisawful.com. Uh, Little Caesars is raising the price of their famous $5 pizza. Uh, for the first time, uh, they're up going up 11% to five fifty-five, dollars which is still a pretty good price for a pizza. A lot of people don't like Little Caesars pizza. I mean, to me, the worst pizza on earth is still pretty good. You know, and I think Little Caesars is not the worst pizza I'm worth. It's, a, you know, it's all right for, you know, a chain. It's hot it's an, and it's ready. And my understanding, and they say this very clearly, it's pizza pizza. Uh, so, you know, it's not like pizza, but it's pizza pizza to get the, both pizzas involved in the name. So that's important. Speaking of names, by the way, uh, Washington football team. You know, I'm a big supporter of this name. And I've said this before. They're going to be getting a new name on February 2nd. Um, We know it will not be the Wolves or the Red Wolves. And my guess is it won't be the Redskins. That would be a surprise to me. I kind of want it to just be the Redskins. That would be the greatest. He's like, ah, no, you know what? Screw it. Redskins again. I would like that to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, It would be funny if they picked a really offensive name of some sort just because it would piss everybody off. However, I like the football team because it makes – I still call them the Redskins. Everybody I know still calls them the Redskins. No one calls them the football team because it's not a name. It's just a description of what they are. So instead of saying Washington football team, everyone kind of just still says Washington Redskins unless you're like on TV. So the real name with the people is still the Redskins. And I I would like to see a poll. I saw all this polling about, are you as Native Americans pissed off about the name Redskins? I heard that over and over again. I want a poll asking Native Americans if they want it to come back. I want that poll. You want Redskins to come back as the name? I'd love to see that. That would be fantastic. I doubt we will, uh, however. Um, I would like to hear, what do you think the Washington football team should be called? Wherever you are, uh, if you go to Twitter or Facebook, if you happen to be watching on YouTube, wherever you are, uh, give us your idea for a name for the new Washington football team franchise. Uh, I would uh, I would like to see. I, I don't want you. Don't be offensive. OK, don't whatever you do, don't don't say something naughty, but it, but it should be offensive back in a second. When you're running a business, HR issues can kill you. Uh, think of it, you know, you got wrongful termination suits, you've got minimum rate wage requirements. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I'm, a, I'm terrified to run a business because, I mean, just the labor regulations alone are terrible. Uh, the HR manager salaries are not cheap. We're talking 70 grand a year. So what do you do? Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E, created specifically for small business. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone email or real-time chat and you have someone who's assigned to you. You are not have to bounce around and explain your situation to 100 different people. You have someone who's assigned to your business. From onboarding to terminations, they can customize your policies to fit your business. They can help manage your employees day-to-day. And we're talking about $99 a month. This is just a no-brainer. Month-to-month, month, no hidden fees. Cancel any time. Go to Bambi.com slash stew right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's bambe dot slash stew. Don't forget the slash stew part of the address. Why? Because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Bambi.com slash stew. You can always review the show and comment. We always appreciate that. And on YouTube, you can comment right as we're doing the show. Uh, this one comes in. My resolution is the same as stews, to eat more pudding. I don't even remember saying that on the air, but that is, of course, my resolution. Uh, How about this year three to flatten the liberal curve? (laughs) Just year three. Guys, by year 10, it'll be fine. Uh, Great discussions. Thank you for all that you do. I really like your show. Well, that's just that's just pleasant. Thank you, Ricky. I appreciate that. That's from Facebook. Uh, Missed you over the holidays. Yes, I missed you over the holidays as well. I really did. This I do appreciate it and everything you guys do. You keep you give me a little bit of optimism. I only have a little bit, but it's pretty much all from you. This one comes in, uh, by the way, you can review the show on podcast. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. My five star, uh, my five pity star review. I'm only writing this review because I feel bad for Stu. Honestly, I should feel bad for myself because I actually listened to the stupid show. Whatever. Thank you, Stu, and God bless you and your crew. I should point out, I don't care if your five stars are pity. I'm fine with that. I don't really, you know, I I just want more people to see the show so I can get as much money as Elon Musk. And I can start my own car company that runs only on fossil fuels. In fact, extra fossil fuels. And then I'll make one that's solar powered that goes to the moon. I'll just reverse what he's doing, you know. So anyway, uh, once I'm a billionaire, then we can all party on the moon with my solar spaceships. Back in a second. Get all the stuff at com. You can subscribe as well. com slash stew. Promo code is stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show.